I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the final William Hill sponsored Sunsport podcast. I'm Derek McGregor. I'm joined by Kenny Miller. It's been a fairly momentous season to say the least, Kenny. No shortage of things to discuss in this final podcast of the season to return for the start of next season. I think there's only one place we can start the conversation, Kenny, and that has to be Scotland-England. The dust is still settling. Lee Griffiths' free kicks. For all the heartbreak in the final seconds, courtesy of Harry Kane's equaliser for England, the quality of those free kicks still or will live with us for a long time. We've all been talking about it in the office today, and that'll be replicated across the country in pubs and clubs. I've always loved Lee Griffiths. I think he's a total maverick, and he's probably the one guy in that squad that had the the guts to do that, not only once, but twice, to say, I'm going to have a go. And to to put it in both different sides as well, completely out Fox, Joe Hart, and a man-mountain English wall. I, I just thought it was terrific, and it's such a shame that, for Lee Griffiths especially, that he didn't get that win, didn't get that iconic iconic full stop if you want to call it that because I think it's probably the difference between between them being in the same category as Archie Gemmell and James McFadden and maybe just that tier below now really? high praise I, th- I, think, if, I think if we win the game 2-1 and he scored those two goals then I think you can definitely talk about him in those terms iconic just I mean the, the sensational I mean I think if you look up the word audacious in the dictionary you're going to see Lee Griffith's name beside it I mean there's a few th- words for him in the dictionary <laughs> <laughs> audacious is one yeah most of the others we can't mention yeah. here but I mean the, the, the first free kick was just sensational alone but when he lines up for the second one you're, minutes later you're thinking surely not the thing that he's knocked his pan in as well that's what does it for me to have the the mental strength and the mental energy after the shift he put in I mean, I know he's no everybody's cup of tea. I just think you always pick Lee Griffiths in that Scotland team because he's the best we have in terms of creating something out of nothing. And as you say, being audacious enough to even attempt it. And having spent 90 minutes chasing shadows, chasing lost causes, trying to hold the ball up on occasion, I think he threaded the ball through for Andy Robertson's chance to keep picking himself up, to go again, and still have the energy to, to score the first, never mind the second. I think, hat off to him. And first goals for Scotland. I think it was his 13th game for Scotland and he finally gets off the mark. Ran his heart out, did everything he could as a lone striker to trouble the, the English backline, particularly the centre-halves, Chris Smalling and Gary Cahill. He's proved himself from a dead ball point of view, but see in terms of outfield play, I mean, I know given the quality of those goals, this might sound a bit strange, but is he good enough as an international striker for all-round play? I think he is because you have to compare him like for like compare him with the other players we've got if we're going to get one chance or one half chance a game, I would want it to fall to Griffith's feet. When you look at the goal that James McFadden scored in the Stade de France, Griffiths is the only guy in that squad capable of doing that. And I just think there has to be room in a team for a, a maverick that can pull a rabbit out of the hat. He's, he's the man for me. I know, I, know there's, I know there's flaws to his game and I know there's things that he can't do, but I'd rather talk about the things that he can do. Who doesn't like a maverick in a, in a team? I mean, you know, the, uh, mavericks are really what you know, bring so much joy to football. He inspires people, and listen. He, he bailed Hibs out the season they were going to be relegated. 
he hit the ground running at Celtic and hasn't stopped. I just, I think he's a, I think he's a really good story there. Obviously, he has his flaws. He's made mistakes along the way. But I also think there's somebody there that the punters can identify with because in a lot of ways he plays like a punter. There's there is something of the, the street footballer about him, and you you can see the passion in him. He is hungry for goals. He's greedy as they come. He chases everything down on the pitch, and I, I just think. In modern football, there's so many things to moan about, but he is a throwback. He is someone that everyone can identify with. Moussa Dumbelli's hamstring injury for Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi-final win over Rangers suddenly opened the door again for, for Griffiths. And for so much of the season, he had been in Dumbelli's shadow. But how much credit does he deserve for really making the most of that unexpected opportunity to come back in and make himself the main man again I think he's had a few tests of character since he, since he went to Celtic though it was the, a couple of windows where he came very close to, to going back to Hibs on loan and I remember speaking to a friend of his at the time and they said look from a Hibs point of view I hope he goes back there but they said this is the first time in his professional career maybe his life that he's responded the right way to a challenge like that initially from Ronnie Dyler and I think he's had the same sort of questions asked by Brendan Rodgers when he wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily a second pick, I don't think, at one point. He was probably, uh, probably third. I just think I like this side term now where he is rising to it. I think he appreciates the chance he's got at Celtic and, and now with Scotland. And Listen, these are the moments that he would have grown up dreaming about, and I'm, now it's a reality. He's not the greatest with family planning, Lee Griffiths, as we all know, but he can put the ball in the net with you know the, the best of them. His technique's terrific. He doesn't often miss the target. He usually makes the goalkeeper work. You've got say what you want about Joe Hart. Yeah, he is a top-level keeper, and he's made him look like a mug twice. You're listening to the William Hill-sponsored Sun Sport Football Podcast. I'm Derek McGregor. I'm joined by Kenny Miller, and Kenny. But you know, we're discussing Saturday's epic game at Hamden, and you know, Lee Griffiths deserved to win for those two free kicks alone. But from from a negative point of view, Craig Gordon, both England goals for me badly at fault. Quality keeper, he's had a great season, but he is not immune from criticism. The first one goes straight through him, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. The second one, surely he's got to come from the, you know, he's got to come for the cross from Sterling. I think you're right to say he's had a great season. He's, he's one of my all-time favourite Scotland players. And I just thought on the back of the campaign he's had, I was so confident going into that game with him. I thought he'd be confident at the back with the ball at his feet, distribution will be spot on. He'll come and claim crosses. And I just thought right from the off, he was maybe uncharacteristically nervy. Maybe they sensed the occasion and got to him, but no, you can you can definitely trace both both goals back to him. He's not he's quite right to point out that especially the second one, I think there's the collective mistakes, but no, he has to, he has to hold up his hands and, and accept some accountability for it. And it's a shame because he's had this great season and his own story is terrific the way he's turned things around, but he won't he won't look back on, on that game with any fondness, I don't think. He had a few shaky moments. I mean just, you know, I think moments before Oxley Chamberlain scored to give England the lead, he's misjudged a Kieran Tierney pass back and led to a kind of desperate uh, clearance for a throw in. Minutes later, goal for England. I just wish he he cleaned Kane out to be honest for the for the second one. He just think goalies get that little bit more protection and he, he might have got away with it. I, I do I feel it feels I feel bad having a go at him but and he's quite right to point out again that there are teammates at fault but you uh, can't really look past it he should have done better with both the irony is that throughout the season and, and maybe even the season before he's never been slow to rush out his box to make a heady clearance or yeah. you know just improvise with some kind of clearance and yet as this cross is coming in and for my money 
you know, I don't think it is a whipped in cross. It's a, it's, a, it's a decent ball in, but there's time enough for him to come out and just punch, collect it, or as you, I think, were suggesting, do it something to put off Harry Kane. I take his point. It's a hanging cross. He's not sure whether he's going to head the ball or, or volley it. But listen, especially for that, you can ask questions of Charlie McGrew. You can ask questions as uh, much as I love him, Andy Robertson, for that one. Scott Brown's been culpable. Listen, it's collective. It's just such a frustration because a win would have been massive. A win's a game changer. I just don't think it points enough. Stuart Armstrong, great season for Celtic. But the moment where he's breaking out the box, you know, it, it, it looks as if you know he's got Griffiths on the right. I think there was Chris Martin wide left. He's gone to find Griffiths, lost the ball to Bertrand, who's given it to Sterling. The rest, unfortunately, is history. In a weird way, he's done the right thing because the worst thing you can probably do is just punt the ball away for it to come right back at you. So he's tried. He suffered from trying to play football and trying to retain possession. And he's one of the guys in the team you would be comfortable with getting the ball yep. to feet because you think. He plays with his head up. He's going to pick the right pass, the right way to pass, and it's particularly cruel because I, I thought he had another another decent game. If not as influential as we maybe sometimes seen him this season, I thought he had another solid game. I mean, brilliant season for me. It was my choice for Player of the Year, and yet he's going to go into his summer holidays with this particular moment tormenting him, as he admits in Sunsport today. I hope he can shake it off because personally, it'll be it'll be difficult for him. But what an opportunity those guys had really to be. Maybe legends is overstating it, but certainly instant instant heroes. I, I'm just I think we're all a bit tired of the hard luck story again. I take on board with your own thoughts on Armstrong's performance on Saturday. I, personally, I th- I thought he was average. I felt sorry for him because he was played in a kind of wide left kind of role that Ronnie Dyler played him in at Celtic, and it was a role that was affecting his confidence until Brendan Rodgers put him centre. But nevertheless, good player for Scotland and. Definitely one you would see as a mainstay. Absolutely. I thought he should have been in earlier than he, he was. I loved the through ball against Slovenia because he looked physically shattered that night, still had the, the stamina and the intelligence to, to pick that run out. I think Kieran Tierney's worth a mention again, playing out of position for all the talk of Marcus Rashford before the game. I don't think he got a kick. So I thought there were success stories in amongst it. I have to confess, Kenny, for once in a press box, the professionalism went out the window for both Griffith's goals. I was going as mental as any Scotland supporter. Now, understand your choice of uh, location for this game to watch the game was... Uh, yeah, was, was the obvious one. With, with, of course, you know, an Irish bar in Bucharest, Kenny. Can you give us a flavour of the atmosphere I'd, in this Irish bar? I'd love to have... Uh, in Romania's capital? I'd love to have been at Hamden. It was bad planning on the part of my friend Alan, who's getting married. But we were in a, an Irish bar in Bucharest, surrounded by English supporters. It's fair to say everybody lost their head. I don't remember ever celebrating a goal like that. And <laughs> for for about a minute, we lived lived the dream. We were uh, less than well, we weren't great victors, put it that way. Surrounded by all these English people, we weren't really shy about rubbing it in. And then they sent us home what to think again about a, <laughs> about a minute later. And how were the Bucharest locals, the neutrals, who were they rooting for? Oh, they were rooting for Scotland 100%. They really bought into the, the, the underdog story. They, and no, they were they were definitely on our side. I think a bit bewildered by how much we were all kicking off. It was uh, it's hard to do hard to do the scenes justice, really. I think it replicates what we saw in the stands at Hamden. Glad there was no camera on us. Hello, you're listening to the William Hill-sponsored Sunsport Football Podcast, the final one of a momentous season. I'm Derek McGregor, I'm joined by Kenny Miller. And Kenny, Gordon Strachan has insisted we can still qualify from Group F for Russia 2018 World Cup Finals. 
Really? Well, we can, but we won't. I mean, I think we have to. We have to win every game, and on paper it looks doable. But there's no real precedent for us doing that or sticking that kind of run together. So obviously, it has to say the right things. But I do think ultimately it's going to be another failed campaign. As you say, but we've got four games to go. You're really looking at winning all four. We're certainly, we're certainly hoping that England win all of their four because clearly Slovakia, Slovenia. You know, your heart says it's still possible, but your head's going forget it. I think England will England will keep up their end of the bargain because their qualifying record is, is normally excellent and they'll the pride is going to be a bit stung by that at the, at the weekend although they're not going to look to do us any favours I just think once again our mistakes came earlier in the, in the campaign and it's easy to overlook them in the wake of the, the euphoria from, from Saturday so no ultimately it's going to be another failed campaign I mean but it's not until September that we resume our qualifiers Lithuania away followed by Malta at home Slovakia at home and then Slovenia away to finish now I have to say for all that I think four straight wins for Scotland is unrealistic the first three I think are doable should's always a problematic word though when it comes to the Scotland national team listen we should and I'm really trying to read myself in from saying yeah we should we should on paper we should win all these games we should have one foot in the playoff and then We'll be fine from there on in, but of course we'll probably lose to Lithuania, draw it home to Malta, and then beat Slovakia. We've carried we carried a certain amount of luck against England, and the players probably earned it because they, they worked their socks off. No one can deny that. I just don't think there have been that many good quality performances in the last two, maybe even three years. So I don't think there are many performances that would give you hope that we can string four wins together. I mean, after the first four games of the campaign, we were left with four points. Gordon Strachan under immense pressure. Credit where it's due. A big win in March over Slovenia. You know, regardless of the the agony of Harry Kane's equaliser, ninety third minute equaliser, the heartache. Still a good performance. Much for us for to take from. So credit where it's due. The last two games of the season for Scotland. You know, is, is Strachan getting as much as he can out of these players? Could anyone else get any more? No, I don't think he is. And Balek is in our own paper saying he is unquestionably the only man in, in world football for that job. No one could do a better job. Do you buy that? I don't buy it at all. No, I think world football's a big place. I think there's a lot of people who are capable of doing jobs. You should open it up, see who applies. Now, Gordon Strachan doesn't really have a centre-back to, to pick from. I can understand that, but... It took him a long time to pick Lee Griffiths. took him a long time, you could argue, this year to pick Stuart Armstrong. I think Andy Robertson was left out a couple of big games in the last campaign at left-back. I'm glad that he eventually opted to play Kieran Tierney at right-back. That was something I, I'd, I'd wanted to see for a wee while, just to, to try it. But no, bottom line, I think. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. After two campaigns, he should have got more out of, out of his players. After the win over Slovenia and, and Saturday's highly creditable draw against England, we should have won, of course. We should have still seen that game out. But nevertheless, I think beforehand, if we're offered a draw deep down, I think we'd have probably taken a draw. Those two games, the, the performances, the results, do you think, in the eyes of the Tartan Army, that Strachan has, has, has bought himself more time? Do you think he's kind of turned the tide a little bit in terms of thinking towards him in the job? I, I take the point. I, I, he probably has bought himself time until the next game, but I just think a lot can happen over the, these next four games, I think, to to wipe that away. Just like you look at Northern Ireland, they grind out results, I think, with, Remarkable. An, with an inferior set of players. And I mean that with the best ball in the world. I think for Northern Ireland to go to Azerbaijan and get a 1-0 clean sheet, uh, outstanding, they've got an even smaller pool of players than we have. To get the job done. Is the yeah. Uh, they, they now know what it takes. Yeah. And we don't. As, as harsh as that sounds, we, we don't get the job done, they do get the job done. So that's where I think he, he has a problem. Yeah, Michael, Michael O'Neill, of course, the Northern Ireland manager, has, has been linked as a, as, a, as a possible future replacement for Gordon Strachan. Would you go along with that? I'm open-minded to Michael O'Neill. I'm open-minded to a foreign manager. I just think you can, if there are clear signs of progress during one failed campaign, I think you can put up with that. I just don't think you should get two campaigns without success, without, without trying something different. Yeah, I mean, Strachan today is insisting that it's the players that give him the strength to carry on, and if if he didn't think we could still qualify, he wouldn't be there. I don't doubt his passion for one second. I don't doubt he obviously really cares about his players, he really cares about his staff. Sometimes I think he's been a bit dismissive of the supporters, only then to turn around and say how much he then need them. I think he picks and chooses when he respects the opinion of the common punter. I think ultimately... It does well. It doesn't matter what I think, but ultimately, I think we will be looking for a new manager for the start of the next campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think we'll get a playoff spot. Never mind qualify. But um, I mean, it, it, is it enough for our nation, our football fans now, Kenny, for at least just to be satisfied that we've come away from Saturday with a bit more pride? Okay, the agony, the heartache, the the deep disappointment at not winning a game that would have been momentous, but at least we've come out with a bit more pride these days. Is that as much as we can hope for? The thing that concerns me is some of the crowds we've had for home games recently take take England away from it. When the Tartan army start to wander off and not turn out in their numbers as a matter of routine, that's when I think you have a an issue. But listen, at least on Saturday for a for a minute or for two brief moments we we uh, we lived the dream. Hello, you're listening to the William Hill sponsored Sunsport Football Podcast. I'm Derek McGregor, football editor, and I'm joined by Kenny Miller. And Kenny, we've just discussed Scotland's final game of the season. If we look at the domestic scene, you've brought the story in Sunspot today of Hibernian striker Jason Cummings, likely now to be going to Nottingham Forest, English Skybet Championship. And as you've written today, Hibs have accepted a seven-figure-plus offer for Cummings. Was it inevitable he was going to be going this summer? I didn't think it was inevitable he was going to go because, to Jason Cummings' credit, he hasn't rocked the boat on this one. I think he, he was given a, a verbal assurance when he signed his new deal that Hibs wouldn't stand in his way if there was a decent offer. And in return, he hasn't thrown the toys out of the pram 
when there's been interest in the way that some players have before. So I actually think on all sides, and it's not often you can say this, that it's been handled pretty well. I think he leaves a big a big void. There's a lot of goals that Hibs are going to have to replace. But I think, from what we understand, it's a good fee for Hibs, especially in the way the deal might be structured in terms of the amount they might get up front. It's a good deal for Jason Cummings because he knows he's going to play for a manager who rates him in Mark Warburton because he obviously wanted to take him to, to Rangers. And it's a good level. I just hope that outside of his Edinburgh comfort zone, which Jason's talked about himself, that he is able to adjust. I was going to come to that. Does he have the maturity to go, not just you know Nottingham, if he was to go anywhere else out with Scotland, does he have the maturity to settle? He still has his moments, but I think anyone who watches him closely has seen his development. I think Alan Stubbs did a great job with him, and I think Neil Lennon, sometimes with a tough love, has, has picked up and, and carried that on. You can tell now when he speaks that he realises there is an opportunity for someone like him, with the talent he has, to make a lot of money out of football and it's worth keeping the head down working that, that bit harder and he can he can carve a good life for himself but so I hope he does adjust Nottingham Forest is a big club with a fantastic history Brian Clough two times European Cup winners championships as we know is a, is a good level it's one of the toughest leagues in Europe if not the toughest because of the amount of games if and when he can you know he completes the move to Nottingham Forest and you would think the chances are that is going to happen now. If he was to hit the ground running next season, does he force his way into Gordon Strachan's thinking? I think he's got a bit to go. I do think physically he'll have a lot of work to do down there. He will really have to throw himself into the gym and basically just stay in there five days a week without leaving because it's maybe not an area where he has been, can we say, totally dedicated previously. But there's no doubt, I think he's got that game intelligence where he finds a half yard of space, he can finish... I think his biggest strength is also his biggest weakness in that he just he can brush stuff off. That stupid, for a better word, stupid dinked penalty against Dundee United in the Scottish Cup semi-final was something that Alan Stubbs wanted to pin him up against the wall at half-time for. But he was able just to brush that off and score the winning penalty that day. And that that composure in, in certain aspects, that, that'll serve him well. Rangers, meanwhile, are continuing to... to it, it feels like they're bringing a player in every other day. Certainly fair play to Pedro Cascina. He's not messing about in the transfer market. He wants the players in quickly. Rangers have been back training, of course, for the last week. The HJK Helsinki striker, Alfredo Morelos, flew into Edinburgh this morning. As things stand, he would be the sixth confirmed signing at Ibrox. What's your thinking on how Cascina's going about his business at the moment? I think what you have to say is that he's, he's obviously been backed a few people were raising question marks about Gashinha towards the end of the season but I don't think Rangers would have allowed them to, to bring in the number of players they have if they didn't think well this is the this is the man for us personally I think it'll be interesting to see how he integrates all these people into the, the dressing room so that it doesn't become a them and us environment for yeah, the ones that were there before there's Mexicans there's Portuguese as I say Morelos is Colombian he's even signed a Scot and Ryan Jack, you know, you've got Carlos Pena, Eduardo Herrera, subject to work permits, and then there's the possibility of Graham Doran, so there's some mix of nationalities coming in. But then the one thing you would say for Cachinha, whatever anyone says about him tactically, he does seem very personable, he does seem to have an ability to, to get people on side, so maybe maybe forging that tight-knit squad will, will be something that he's, he's good at. Certainly a, a few of them arrive with, with interest in pedigrees, there's a couple of rough diamonds in there. I, th- I think this really is Rangers, Rangers throwing the dice. He obviously I mean, wants a team that's far more resilient on the part to start with. I mean, if the deals for Morelos, Pena, Herrera, Dorans are all completed, you're talking nine signings in a very little period of time. I mean, first of all, was was that amount of signings necessary, Kenny? 
I think so. Even just from a supporter's point of view, I think they they had to see change on the pitch. I think Alves is a is a great bit of business. I know people can justifiably raise Joey Barton's arrival or Philip Senderov's arrival, but this is a guy who's still in the Portuguese squad, played at the weekend. He's unlikely to be phased by anything he comes across in, in Glasgow. And I think that's a good good starting point. Uh, Cardozo, who partnered him at centre-back, speaking to Ryan Gold, who played alongside him, he, he rates him highly. So if he can get the spine of that team right and maybe shift out a, a few passengers, then I can see Rangers being vastly improved. I still think they'll be well off Celtic, but I think they'll be a clear second next year. I must admit, I'm, I'm fascinated by the potential of this new centre-half partnership. You know, the, the Portuguese, you know, you've got the hugely experienced Alves, and you've got the, the Fabio Cardoso, who, by all accounts, has got good potential. It seems to be a nice blend. You've got the the you know the wingers Dalcio, Daniel Candeas, both coming from Benfica. Carlos Pena, midfielder, Herrera, striker, Dorans, who could play probably as a number ten. So it's a, it's a fascinating mix of players he's bringing in here. Yeah, and maybe maybe the most unfashionable one in the whole list is is Ryan Jack. But Kishinya seems genuinely excited about the sort of attributes he'll bring in the middle. Just a cool head, somebody that can keep the ball ticking over. And he's talked about his leadership qualities as well. So it's heartening that he's not just looking overseas for, for these new players. Is it important that there is still a Scottish or you know, British element within these signings? I think 100%. I mean, has spoken about having to sign the right type of person as much as anything else. But no, you, you do need to keep a, a local identity. And I'm sure people like Kenny Miller will be important in that regard. In terms of Celtic, Kenny, I mean, no business done yet. Certainly no shortage of names getting linked with him. Are you surprised that Brendan Rodgers has not already acted in terms of strengthening? Or, really, is there any rush for Celtic, given the season, the invincible season they've just had? I suppose that's the great position Celtic find themselves in, and you know the kind of meticulous preparation that Brendan Rodgers puts in, so I don't think any of us are in any doubt that he has A, B and C lists for for targets or that he would react quickly if, say, a Dembele was to go. So he's in the fortunate position. He can he can overscout players. He can take as long as he wants, really, to, to make up his mind on, on key personnel because you would have to think with the squad he's got, maybe minus Patrick Roberts now, that they would hopefully have enough to get through those Champions League qualifiers and now it's just about adding quality over quantity. Of course, looking at the Champions, if there is one deal that's going to possibly be done over the next week or so it's Johnny Hayes from Aberdeen I mean you look at the Dons and given the players have already lost and Taylor and McGinn in particular Jack of course their captain I mean Hayes to go also would be a savage blow surely yeah maybe Kishinia wasn't too far off the mark he was slaughtered for saying it that Aberdeen may be coming to the end of a cycle but four or five big players is a lot for Aberdeen to replace I mean, they've got a good budget in Scottish terms, but for any team to replace the guts of a, of a side in one transfer window is going to take some doing. He's, he's a very, very good player for Aberdeen. I'm still surprised that Celtic are, are spending to get him, given he, his hamstring injuries and his, his age and the progress of Mikey Johnson at Celtic recently. But Brendan Rodgers obviously worked with him before and, and knows what he's getting. Never mind signings at Pitodre, Kenny. Is just keeping Derek McInnes as manager, is that the biggest thing for Aberdeen this summer? Well, he's in a fortunate position with the Aberdeen board because clearly he's a man in demand and he can use that to his, his advantage, I would think, in terms of negotiating a, a player budget. So he's he's in a good position, but no, it, it's it's key for Aberdeen to keep him. Kenny, thank you very much. The Sun Sport Football Podcast will be back for the start. Of- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Of the new season, but thank you very much indeed for listening. Bye now. Bye-bye.